0: I'm excited that we have a wonderful uh, special guest with us today, a guy named Gabe Garcia. Uh, fun fact, he and I attended a small group together in college, uh, and we were at a, a, a church planting event a couple of years ago up the peninsula, and I did one of those double takes across the room, like, is that Gabe? And found out that we were both starting churches in the Bay Area, and so that, that's, that's just been really exciting. Uh, he and his wife, Carrie, started New City Church in Oakland two years ago, last Sunday. So last Sunday, they had their second birthday. And yeah, let's give him a hand for that. Yeah, you can come on up, Gabe. Uh, he'll share more about this, but you do the math on that in terms of the launch here and pandemic and all that. So this guy, he's, he and, he and Carrie are doing a wonderful work there. Um, but they're going to continue this. this he's going to continue this series for us. Um, yeah, let's put our hands together one more time. Thank you for being <laughs> on the stage. Thank you,
1: Dave. Appreciate you, brother. You. Hey, Kern. It's great to be here with you. Uh, like Dave said, uh, my name is Gabe Garcia. I'm the lead pastor, church planning pastor of New City Church in Oakland, California. And it's my joy to be here with you all today. Um, I don't know if you guys know this, but as a church plan, we have uh, people and churches and organizations all over California all over the country that are praying for us and even supporting us financially so that we can do the things that we're doing in the city of Oakland. And last year, your church came alongside of us to say that they wanted to pray with us and support us. So I'm here in part today just to say thank you to your leadership, and I know it's more than Dave and Cindy, but to say thank you to Dave and Cindy, your board, your small group leaders, everybody who's with us. i want to say thank you to you for uh, being generous to this church because of your generosity. Great things are happening in Israel because of your generosity, and great things are happening in the city of Oakland because of your generosity. So, thank you. Uh, like Dave said, two years last week, church planning is hard. Church planning in the Bay Area is harder. Church planning in Oakland is really, really hard. <laughs> um, and so, throughout the two years, there's been highs, there's been lows, a couple steps forward, a couple steps back. But at our two-year celebration, I mean, it was a great celebration, but beyond like the, the people and the tacos and the cupcakes, it really was just an opportunity for us to reflect and to see all the good things that God is doing. Um, it's really amazing. People are making decisions to follow Jesus. People are finding authentic community for the very first time. People are stepping up to use their gifts uh, just like all the great things that are happening here, God is doing that same work in Oakland. So again, thank you guys for having me today. <laughs> 2,000 years ago, uh, Jesus asked his disciples a really important question. It's a simple question, but it was a profound question. He asked his disciples, who do you say that I am? These disciples, these men and women, had been following Jesus. They've heard Jesus teach. They've seen Jesus do miracles. Jesus wants to know what do you think about me? What's your thoughts about me? What are your beliefs about me? What are your convictions about me? It's an important question. And for 2,000 years, there's been, everybody's had an opinion about Jesus. Some people see Jesus as just a great teacher, and he really was a great teacher. Some of the teachings of Jesus still are passed on today by those who don't even identify as followers of Christ. Treat others as you want to be treated. That's from the mouth of Jesus in Luke chapter 6. Some people see Jesus as a great teacher. Other people see Jesus as a great humanitarian. Much of Jesus' ministry was characterized by caring for the poor, feeding the hungry, and pursuing the marginalized. Some of our deepest values, values that we hold so dearly to us here in the West, values like justice and freedom and equality and humility, they all come downstream from the very teachings of Jesus. Some people saw Jesus as a great teacher. Some saw him as a great humanitarian. Some people decided that they wanted to worship Jesus And some people decided that they wanted to have Jesus crucified. But who do we say that Jesus is? For us today, this is, again, one of the most profound and important questions that we'll ever answer. Now there are other important questions. Where do you wanna live? Who do you wanna marry? Where do you wanna send your kids to school? These are all important questions, but all of these questions, They pale in comparison to us determining for ourselves who we believe Jesus Christ to be. And wherever you're at in your spiritual journey, you're searching and seeking, maybe skeptical. Maybe you're here today and you've been following Jesus for the last five years, 10 years, 20 years. Wherever you're at in your journey today, I think this is still one of the most important decisions. And because of that, wherever you're at in your journey, I believe today can be a turning point for all of us. As we clarify in our minds and hearts who Christ is, as we decide hopefully for ourselves that we would run after him, we might actually experience more joy and more purpose. And that's what I want for us today. More joy in Jesus and a clarity for the purpose and the mission of our lives, amen? Let me pray for us, and then we'll continue. Heavenly Father, it is a deep honor to be here at Current Church in Silicon Valley. I thank you for their partnership in the gospel. I just want to pray a blessing over this church. I pray that this church would continue to expand and grow in its reach and its impact. I pray that this church is around for the next five years, 50 years, and 100 years. I pray 100 years from now, this church is still proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it's proclaiming the gospel and having great impact in part because of the faithfulness of the people in this room today. And Heavenly Father, as we run after truth, and we ask this question, is Jesus God? We do ask that your Holy Spirit would be encouraging us, challenging us, comforting us, and bringing clarity to this all-important question. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said amen. The first question, the first heading on kind of my little outline, if you're a note-taker here today, is this. How did Jesus identify himself? It's a really important question. Again, for 2,000 years, everybody has had an opinion about Jesus, but what did Jesus actually think about himself and his own identity. How we identify ourselves is important. We may identify ourselves in part uh, by our family. Uh, my name is Gabe, I'm a father, I have three kids, and I've been married to my wife for 16 years. That's a part of who I am. Maybe for you it's, it's family and cultural background. Maybe for you it's the school you went to. I went to Cal and I try to insert that anywhere I can our identity and how we identify ourselves is really important, but how did Jesus identify himself? Well, in the Gospel of Matthew, if anybody has the Bible, you can open it up, you can turn it on. We're gonna look in Matthew chapter 13. Matthew is one of the earliest biographers of Jesus and one of the disciples of Jesus, one of the students of Jesus, meaning he just spent a lot of time with Jesus. And he records this account in Matthew 16, I'm sorry, Matthew chapter 16. Matthew 16, verses 13 to 17, it's a pivotal moment in the life and ministry of Jesus. Verse 13 says this, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do the people say that the Son of Man is? And they replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about You, he asked, who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Now this is really important. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. Jesus wants to know what's the word on the street. What are people saying about me? Again, a simple but profound question. And Peter answered, well, 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 Jesus, some of you, or some of the people, say that you are John the Baptist. That you're coming in line of the ministry of John the Baptist, preaching a message of repentance and gathering followers. But Jesus knows where he's going. He wants to know what's in Peter's heart. Peter continues, others say, you're like an Elijah one of the great prophets, somebody we've been expecting and anticipating, somebody who's going to usher in the kingdom of God. But again, Jesus wants to go deeper. Peter say, Others say you're like one of the prophets, like Jeremiah. You're, you're a spokesperson on behalf of God, and you're calling God's people back to God himself. But Jesus wants to go deeper. Jesus keeps pressing in. He wants to know what Peter thinks about him. And I think there's something there for each and every one of us. Again, wherever you're at in your journey, Jesus is pressing in on each and every one of us. Who do you say that Jesus is? I don't care what TikTok says about Jesus. I I don't care what the New Yorker says about Jesus. I don't care what Duke Divinity School says about Jesus. I wanna know what you say about Jesus. And I just believe this, I believe that Jesus demands a response. He's worthy of a response. He's worthy of us putting in time, energy, and prayer to determine for ourselves, not based on what other people say. We've got messages and noise coming at us from every single angle. Can we shut it down for a minute and determine for ourselves who we believe this man really is. Now if you're here and you want to start that journey, because I assume that there's people here that don't identify as Christians, I'm just so thrilled that you're here. It takes a lot of stinking courage to walk into a church building with a bunch of other Christians singing songs and clapping in the dark, that's weird. But we love being weird, and we're just glad that you're here with us. If you're here and you want to start your journey, I would just say start with the Gospels, the earliest historical accounts of the life and ministry of Jesus. If you had a Bible on your phone or if you have a Bible at home, the Gospels are in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Just start reading there. Put aside the the books and the lectures and the TED Talks. There's gonna be time for all of that. But sit in a room, sit at a coffee shop, bring a notepad, maybe just pray a simple prayer. God, if you're there, I wanna know who Jesus is. Would you help me to see him clearly? Write down your questions. Your questions are important. Write down your doubts. Your doubts are important. But Jesus demands a response. Now Peter, he would eventually speak up on behalf of the disciples, and he would say this about Jesus, that Jesus is the Messiah, the son of the living God. And this is no small confession. This puts Jesus in the same category as the God of creation, as the God of the covenants, as the God of the exodus. This confession places Jesus on the same level, one with and equal to God the Father. And what I really want us to see in our text is that Jesus receives this testimony about himself. He doesn't rebuke Peter. (laughs) He doesn't say, Peter, how could you say that I'm God? I'm just a man just like you. This blasphemy. I'm just a. Pro- Jesus doesn't say any of those things. He receives this testimony about himself, and then he goes a step further and he blesses Peter. He says, "Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, your father, your earthly father, did not reveal this to you, but my heavenly Father revealed this truth to you, one with and equal to God the Father." Any serious student of the Bible will see that central to the life and ministry of Jesus Christ was this claim to be God. Now, you can decide for yourself that Jesus was just a man, but Jesus saw himself as one with and equal to God the Father. In his famous book, Mere Christianity, Oxford scholar C.S. Lewis writes this, and some of you may be familiar with this really significant quote. But C.S. Lewis says this, I'm trying here to prevent anyone from saying this really foolish thing that people often say about him. I'm ready to accept Jesus as a good moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. That is the one thing we must not say. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things that Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on the level of a man who says that he's a poached egg, That's just a great example. (laughs) Or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God, or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up as a fool. You can spit at him and kill him as a demon. Or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense. C.S. Lewis was just feeling himself right there. (laughs) About this being a great human teacher, he has not left that open to us. He did not intend to. Liar, lunatic, Lord, who do you say that Jesus is? Christians from the first century to the 21st century, Christians from all over the world, Middle East, South America, Africa, and the Bay Area have always confessed that Jesus is God if you're here today, I know there's a good amount of Christians here today. If you fall into placing Jesus in that category as Lord, um, you might not learn anything new today, and, and, and that's good, um, but maybe the Spirit of God would be pressing in on you, causing you to ask yourself if Jesus is truly the Lord of every aspect of your life, because when I read the Gospels, and there's aspects of my life that I'm still trying to align to him, when I read the Gospels and I see who Jesus really is, I know deep down in my heart that he deserves my everything, that he is like the sun and everything is orbiting around him. So for us and for me today, I wanna wanna reflect and to see if every aspect of my life is orbiting around the Lordship of Jesus Christ. My father around, my fatherhood around the lordship of Jesus Christ. My money around the lordship of Jesus Christ. My sexuality around the lordship of Jesus Christ. My my time management, my, my pleasure, my passions, what I do with my free time, all of it orbiting around Jesus as being Lord and Savior. Who do you say that Jesus really is? Now, Jesus claimed to be God but he also did things to back up those claims. We're gonna look at four of them real quick. Current Church, are you with me right now? Four things that Jesus did to back up the claims that he was one with and equal to God the Father. Number one, Jesus taught with the power and authority of God. There are good teachers all over the world. There are clever and funny teachers deep and profound teachers but there was something different about the teaching of Jesus and the people sensed it. Jesus taught um, in a way that uh, drew the most unlikely people to him. He spoke in a way that was direct and cut to the heart. He taught in a way that was memorable He he taught in a way where young kids could understand what he was saying, and the deep theologians of the day went back and wrestled with his words. There was something different about the teachings of Jesus, and the people sensed it. Mark chapter 1 they went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority. Not as the teachers of the law. There was teachers of the law all around them, and oftentimes those teachers would quote other rabbis, "Jesus didn't quote anybody. Jesus spoke for himself." And he spoke with authority that came from God. Number two, Jesus healed people, cast out demons and did many other miracles, revealing His power over the physical and the spiritual. Jesus did some really amazing things. And if you read through the Gospel, it seems like almost on every page, Jesus is doing something really, really amazing. And even as we read through the Gospels, it's by no means an exhaustive list. But every miracle, it wasn't like Jesus was just trying to do tricks. My kids love trick shots. They love this little group called Dude Perfect, and they're trying to do tricky things that look cool on a camera and I look through my phone and I've got a hundred different videos of my kids trying to do something cool. Jesus wasn't just doing cool things to attract a crowd. Everything that Jesus did was an attempt to reveal his true identity, that he was one with and equal to God the Father, and even in these miracles, to show that everything Jesus did was, was led by the power of the Holy Spirit and gives us a picture or a foretaste of this kingdom that he was ushering in. This is by no means an exhaustive list, but Jesus healed a man that was contagious with leprosy. When everybody was running away from this man, Jesus moved towards him in compassion, touched him, and healed him. Jesus healed a paralyzed man that then walked. Jesus healed a blind man who then could see. Jesus healed a woman who had been bleeding for 12 years taken advantage of by others and left without hope. Jesus healed this woman. Jesus performed miracles like walking on water, casting out demons, calming a storm, and raising the dead. And if you read through some of the accounts, oftentimes when Jesus demonstrates his power, it's like people don't know how to respond except to fall in fear and awe and reverence because they were seeing something they had never seen before. Number three, Jesus forgave sins. One of my favorite stories in the gospel is Matthew chapter 9. There's these really good friends, and they bring Jesus, their friend who is paralyzed, and Jesus sees their faith, and he says, because of your faith, right, I forgive you of your sins. Now, there was religious leaders there, and they were going out of their minds because who can forgive sins except God alone, and so they're crying out blasphemy deep in their hearts, but Jesus knew what was going on in their hearts, and so he says something to the effect, um, to demonstrate that I have the power over the spiritual world, I want to heal this man, and he heals this paralyzed man. To demonstrate that I have the power and authority to forgive sins, take up your mat, and walk. Jesus claimed to be able to forgive sins. Number four, Jesus claimed the power of God for the final judgment. Just think about that uh, C.S. Lewis quote, liar, lunatic, or Lord. I I love that kind of those three prong categories that he provides for us. Because again, Jesus is either right or he is out of his mind claiming that he's going to come back and be the judge of the living and the dead. Before Jesus was executed, he stood before uh, the Sanhedrin, which was like the Jewish court. And the high priest at the time um, wasn't encouraged by how the trial was going, so he presses in on Jesus. Listen to this in Mark chapter 14. Again, the high priest asked him, Are you the Messiah, the Son of the Blessed One? I am. I am said Jesus. And you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the Mighty One and coming on the clouds of heaven. The high priest tore his clothes. Why do we need any more witnesses, he asked. You've heard the blasphemy. What do you think? And they all condemned him as worthy of death. Here in this text, not only does Jesus claim to be the Messiah, he claims to be the one who will come back In divine power, divine authority, and judge the living and the dead. What I want us to see, current church, is that Jesus doesn't make some one-off comment about being like God or having a special relationship with God or having the divine power of God. Again, everything that he says, everything that he does is about revealing his true identity. Some had eyes to see and some didn't. Now what was the result of all of this? After three years of faithful ministry, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, demonstrating the the arrival of the kingdom through these miracles, the next heading for our notes today is this, that Jesus was executed for his claim to be God. Again, the people of the day, they made their decision. Have you made your decision? They decided, they determined, based on what they saw and what they heard, that Jesus deserved death. After his Jewish trial, Jesus was handed over to Roman authorities, specifically Pilate. And he stood on trial before Rome, the most powerful empire of the world. Now, Pilate didn't necessarily see anything wrong with Jesus, but because of political pressure, we don't know anything about political pressure, but because of political pressure, he sent Jesus to the cross to die. Jesus was crucified, Jesus was killed, Jesus died, he was buried and placed in the tomb. Jesus, the son of God, died. Now with three kids at home, oftentimes around a dinner table, we learn a little bit about what's going on in the playground. And we'll hear about uh, some young boys or some young girls that seem to be kind of adopting or stepping into that reputation as a bully. And the last thing you want as a parent, like the one thing you hope for is, yes, I want my kids to know Jesus, but two, I don't want them to be bullies at school. No one wants a kid who's a bully. When we look at this text, I just want us to know, as we think about the death of Jesus Christ, no one can bully God. No one can push God into a corner. So when we think about the death of Jesus, it's horrifying, it's excruciating, it's shameful, it's it's embarrassing to Jesus. But when we think about the death of Jesus, this was always a part of the perfect and sovereign plan of our triune God. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit, in eternity past, determined, that there would be a way, a path, so that sinful people like you and me can be restored to a rightful and joyful relationship with God. God can't be bullied. The death of Jesus Christ has always been a part of the perfect and sovereign plan of God so that when we look to Jesus in faith, The death of Jesus becomes our death. The judgment of Jesus becomes our judgment. Jesus willingly goes to the cross to stand in our place for our sins so that we could be forgiven and so that we could be welcomed back into a life-giving relationship with God. Amen, current church? And this death actually set the stage for the greatest victory in human history. Our next heading is this, Jesus was resurrected, proving he was God. Not only did Jesus uh, predict his death, on three separate occasions, Jesus calls his disciples together and references and speaks to his upcoming resurrection. This was a resurrection, like if you're here and you doubt the claims of Christianity, Again, there's some great evidence for the resurrection of Jesus Christ, a resurrection that was seen by hundreds and hundreds of people. One of my favorite proofs to the resurrection of Jesus is actually looking at the disciples themselves. Have you ever wondered how the disciples go from, like, these cowering kitty cats to these courageous lions? When Jesus was on trial, when he was moving and stepping towards his death, the disciples all abandon him. They all run away. They're these cowering little kitty cats. But after the resurrection of Jesus, they hear Jesus, they touch Jesus, they see Jesus, they turn into these courageous lions. How did that happen? Many of these disciples would spend the rest of their lives proclaiming the truth of Christ and the gospel and then eventually giving up their own lives because of Christ. And that courage and that strength was in part fueled by the reality of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The tomb could not hold Jesus down, he got up. And in his resurrection, he defeats sin, he defeats the enemy, and he defeats death itself. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is again a foretaste or a picture of a resurrection that will be ours. When we look to Jesus in faith, not only does his death become ours, but his resurrection becomes ours. That's the hope. The hope isn't like the current administration. The the hope isn't even current church. The the hope is the gospel of Jesus Christ and that one day Jesus will come back to make all things new. Who do you say that Jesus is? Maybe you're here today and you still, have, you still have doubts. What I love about this church, what I know to be true about this church is that your doubts are welcomed here um, and that this is a safe place where you can keep coming around and wrestle through your questions with people that I think are gonna love you very genuinely. So if you're here and you have doubts, uh, you're not alone. Uh, even those who claim to follow Jesus have, have many doubts. We, we all have doubts. My encouragement to you is just to keep showing up, keep coming around, and work through those questions. Even the disciples of Jesus had real doubts. One of my favorite um, stories in the gospel comes in John chapter 20. Um, Many of the disciples had seen Jesus, but there was one disciple who hadn't seen Jesus after his resurrection. His name was Thomas, and Thomas is very bold. He's hearing the stories about the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and he says, nope, I'm not buying it. He says, unless I see his hands where they put the nails in his hands, I'm not going to believe. Unless I can touch his side where they pierced him with the sword, I'm not going to believe. And Jesus enters into the room. And what I love about this scene is that Jesus is gentle with Thomas. He'll be gentle with you. But in his gentleness, he has no fear in also leading Thomas to the truth. So Jesus gently takes Thomas by the hands and says, look at my hands. See where they pierce me with the nails. And Thomas, look at my side. See where they, they thrust me with the, with the sword. And Thomas looks into the eyes of Jesus with a heart of worship and says, my Lord and my God. If you're here today and you have doubts, your doubts are welcomed here, your doubts are welcomed by God. God will be gentle with you, but God, I believe, will also lead you to the truth. I hope in the near future, whether that's five minutes from now, five weeks from now, five years from now, you will see Jesus for who he really is your Lord and your God. Someone who is worth following and someone who is worthy of worship. And for the rest of us here who joyfully follow Jesus, um, as we think about who Jesus really is, I think a question we need to ask ourselves every single day, every day we wake up, who is Jesus in my life? Hope we would see him as our Lord and God, someone who's worthy of following, someone who's worthy of worshiping, that everything about our lives would orient around him. Everything we do would be with him and for him. Current church, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I'm thankful for this series that uh, New City is participating in and current church is participating in and 200 other church are participating in. It gives us the opportunity to wrestle through good questions. And maybe there's no more important question than asking ourselves, asking ourselves together in community, who is Jesus? And is Jesus really God? I just pray uh, for us as we journey together that we would continue to be guided by your Holy Spirit, we'd be rooted in your truth, the word of God, and that you would be working in our lives so that we would be unashamed to confess Jesus as our Lord, as our Savior, as our God, someone who is worthy to follow and worthy to worship. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
0: Amen. Hey, before you go, Gabe, I want to say a prayer. Would that be okay?
1: Yeah. Father, thank you so much for Gabe,
0: for his passion, for his word. What a beautiful picture of what it is you're doing even right now across the bay of proclaiming the name of Jesus. I thank you so much for the good work that you're doing in Oakland through, through Gabe, through Carrie. Would you bless them? Would you strengthen them? Lord, as Gabe gives this message uh, at 4 p.m. today there, would it be received powerfully, not because of the words or strength of Gabe, but through your strength, through, your, through the power of your words, and would people receive it? This is the question of all questions. I'm yep. so grateful that Gabe helped us really just focus in on what matters most in life. That's no hyperbole. What we make of Jesus. And so, Father, would you help us, would you help New City Church, and would you help all the churches across the bay and around the world lift up the name of Jesus that many would come to know him and that many would deepen their love and and following of him. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.